Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I'm your host, along with Danny Hatch and our friend Mark LaRocco. The three of us back to talk about all kinds of exciting things and uh, a couple of new releases and kind of a subject that I think everybody has some interest in as we get into it. But uh, first of all, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Pretty how- good. Not too good. bad. Good. We're kind of... We're past the Ides of March, which I guess, even though I think I've only, I think I only read Julius Caesar the one time for school, but ever since then, I've always thought of, oh, the Ides of March, that's a significant thing, mm-hmm. you know, because we're, we're heading into spring now and, you know, it was, uh, well, in, in my case and in Danny's case, we just got done with spring break for Weber State, so that was kind of exciting. Oh, it was great. Was that, a, needed. was that a whole week? It was a, a whole, whole week. week. Yeah. And I and I squoze everything I could out of that out of that <laughs> week. Uh, even even though I did it in rather cold weather. I took a road trip down into northern Arizona and uh, got hit with a pretty significant snowstorm in Monument Valley, which was fun. Yeah. But, it's uh, amazing how different northern Arizona is from southern Arizona. So you can get it's some a, pretty rough weather in northern Arizona. Yeah, well, and especially because, and and I don't know, I I've always kind of thought of this as unique to Weber State compared to you know, other universities, but I mean, spring break is like the first full week of March, which just seems really early to me. And I know that you know, even even with the, kind of the regular semester schedule, you know, I mean, you're basically done by the end of April. But uh, it always seemed like you know when I was teaching other places or when I was going to school, it always seemed like spring break was a little farther into the season, but hey, I'm not complaining. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that year? Well, I was at Utah State in 2002, and they decided to hold spring break in February because of the Olympics in Salt Lake City. So everybody could go up okay. to the Olympics and do internships or go there and do stories, you know, because I was in the journalism program. And so yeah. we had spring break in February. We didn't get a March or April spring break, if I remember So. Correctly. So that was the year before I came okay. to Utah State because, yeah, so 2002, 2003 was my first year at USU. So I would have missed. Yeah, because I was still I was still in Salt Lake mm. for the Olympics. So you were That's living exciting. in the heart of it all. You probably went to every um, event. No, I tried to avoid as much of it as I could. <laughs> I, I felt slightly bad because I thought, oh, well, maybe this is something I should kind of get involved in. But I don't know. I just didn't feel like dealing with the craziness at the time. So. Well, I'm sure you waited in a in a Disneyland level line for a beret, right? <laughs> that was all the rage at the time. Those berets. <laughs> well, at the time and now, I mean, when, when has a beret not been just an item to covet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so uh, so so Danny, you were you were telling me that you've been hearing some news. By speak, speaking of school. Yeah. But, uh, no. this, this, there's some there's some news circulating among the students. Why yeah, don't you no, tell it, us what you got? No, exactly. So it's I'm guessing it's kind of that same thing where you know just looking ahead of when students aren't going to be in school, looking at internships and all that stuff. So I've just been getting so many emails from our awesome film department, just giving us heads up on all the stuff going on. So that's kind of like more for students um, specifically. But there's also just a lot of festival stuff going on all throughout Utah. Like the Wasatch Mountain Film Festival is kicking off in about two weeks. And then um, the Red Rock Film Festival is um, open for submissions right now. So I don't know if we have any filmmakers who are listening, but those are some things to to check out, especially if you live in the area and just want to support local films. So, 
That sounds fun. So do we know when, so when is the Red Rock Film Festival going to take place? And you know what? I totally need to update our page because on the Utah.Film website, there is like a little sidebar for festivals, but that was all last year's stuff and it's Uh, already March and I haven't updated those links. I know. Time moves fast. (laughs) It really does. It is so bizarre. So I'll definitely be figuring that out again. But does, and, that, um, and that was a little that was a little foreshadowing. I know I was going to say, but does time ever move backwards? <laughs> 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 yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, we we do have a couple of new movies to talk about as well, right? Uh, and I think, uh, Danny, you had the first one mm-hmm. that uh, I think I think we want to talk about today, which is uh, always exciting—a new offering from Pixar, right? <laughs> yep, Turning Red, which um, yeah, it was huge, anticipated new Pixar film, um, and uh, this one was um, in, in part highly anticipated for just all the new cultural flavor it was bringing in. Um, it follows this uh, Canadian-Chinese girl. Um, her name is Maylene, and um, she's 13 years old. She comes from a very... Her mom's very overbearing, let's say that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot expected. A, a tiger mom. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, it's it's kind of fun getting to know her right at the start because I don't know. I just really identified with her um, school work ethic even at thirteen. You know, I, there's this line where she's like, um, "All about that hustle, am I right?" And I'm like, "That was totally me doing my math homework too." So, um, but yeah. So uh, just as the story progresses, um, she wakes up one morning and she has turned into a giant red panda which um, turns out is kind of this family curse thing. And so now as this 13 year old who's already dealing with all her teenage drama and she has to go see the, the boy band in concerts and you know, she's got to keep up with all her schoolwork and her friend life. Um, but now she also has to deal with this red panda thing on top of it all. <laughs> and I gotta say, I was really looking forward to this one. I, I, I thought the jokes looked really funny. I. I thought that this was going to be, you know, kind of this, I don't know, metaphor for puberty kind of thing. And if anything, it's more kind of used as like a joke kind of at the start where there's this dramatic irony when she first changes. Um, I I don't think it carried well for the rest of it. And that's how I feel with everything in this movie, honestly. It has some good elements, especially at the start, but the execution was rough. Mm-hmm. And oh, no. um, you know, I just and I mean, this might be relevant for a Utah film pod specifically sort of thing, because um, it's also been very controversial, especially in this state where you know there's a lot of conservative family values, and this movie does kind of push the limits a little bit on the progressive side. I wasn't surprised by it because it's Disney, and like I know they're kind of you know, progressive leaning. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't find it shocking and horrifying like a lot of parents did. What I'm hearing is that one one issue with local audiences might be that it that it comes into conflict with, you know, some local values. Yeah. But then even beyond that, you feel like even regardless, it just wasn't executed very well. It was a good idea, but not didn't have the follow through. Yeah, well, because, yeah, so the, the, the whole premise is it's this, coming of age story, you know, a girl, this teenage girl, she's going to be, 
she's going to start to be a little more rebellious. She's going to push her boundaries a little bit. And like, I'm fine with that, you know? Um, I, I just, I think the issue lies in how, what's satisfying in those stories is that when, you know, the kid and the parent are in conflict, I feel like both sides kind of realize they were wrong. Mm-hmm. And then they are able to reconcile. Whereas this movie, it's kind of like, Mei Lin was the only one who was right. And her mom just had to get on her page. And I think that's rubbing a lot of parents the wrong way. Oh, okay. And it's just, it's not satisfying. Like the whole time I was watching this, I was just like, I've seen all these things before, like showing the the, the Eastern culture and the Western culture kind of clashing. Like I've talked about uh, The Farewell, which was amazing. And I right. feel like, oh, yeah. I feel like mm. that showed it in a little more of a fair light. Whereas this one is kind of like, oh, the ancient ways are just, you know, who cares? And it's like, that's not fair. And that's not satisfying. And I just, that, that rubbed me the wrong way. So it came across as too dismissive then. It's super dismissive. And it's like, I feel like there are some very complicated things going on um, with family and with growing up. And and it just felt lazy and underdeveloped where it's like, mm. May, she was really developed, but like her mom, it, it was just, she was comically overbearing where it's like, this isn't even, it doesn't even make sense. And you don't yeah. understand why she is that way, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, th- the thing that I kept thinking of um, during this movie was how the Little Prince did this whole story just way better. And sure, it didn't bring out the, the culture like Turning Red does, because um, it's just, you know, your typical white suburban family, basically. But it was just, it was really richer and it really developed the mom and it kind of starts the same way as turning red like this mother and daughter being so in sync and doing things the same way and it the the idea in turning red is like oh she's brainwashed by her mom but in the little prince it was more like that's just that's what they do and like i think of me and my mom like we share a lot of the same quirks because i learned those from her right so it just and, and that's just not how it's treated in the movie and it feels so weird and so I'm, I'm thinking of all these other movies that handle these topics way better. And I'm like, is this just, you know, my cultural influence that's making me think this way, that this isn't a good movie? But I started watching other reviewers who have more of, you know, the left-leaning kind of political views. And um, a lot of them started comparing this movie to other movies that handled these topics better. So I think it's just... And that's not a good sign, right? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's it's almost universal. Like whenever I'm watching a movie and I start thinking about other movies that Mm -hmm. do the same things better, that's just, that's a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, I I agree with you. I'm I'm glad to hear you kind of, because I wondered what kind of review you would give it. And and I, I, I also didn't really like the movie. I just didn't feel like it was for me. I have a lot of I have a few positive things about it that I, I appreciated quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on I went to Toronto on my mission, oh. so I was looking for a lot of the little references to Toronto yeah. and landmarks and the diversity in Toronto. Which, when I left on my mission in '97, it was named the most multicultural city in the world before I left in '96, and they hit that dead on. Yeah. I mean, her little friend group is <laughs> is a Korean, an Indian, and a, a white girl, and she's a Chinese girl, you know, yeah. like Canadian Chinese girl. And um, there were certain just things I loved. There was a Punjab, Punjabi Indian at the school that was shooing the tiger mom away when she was trying to interfere and get to her daughter. And, and yeah. so there was a lot of things in there. You see, like, the CN Tower, and there's the Sky Dome. 
And at one point, they show the Sky Dome, and then in the foreground, you see a Blue Jay, like, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays. There's a Blue Jay bird there on a tree, and so I'm like, they really tried to hit all the Toronto stuff. That's awesome. I wouldn't have even thought to look Um, for that stuff, but it definitely looks like it's stylized after that, so that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, they did such a good job. I mean, that's at least worth half a star for me, the Toronto stuff. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I agree with you. I kind of of wondered if the movie, uh, who the movie is for, because I was thinking about this. You have Pixar, which is these animated, these wonderful animated movies, and there's really never a miss in like 30 years, you know, whatever it is now, 27 years of Pixar. They're always good. Um, I mean, even The Good Dinosaur, which is probably mediocre compared to a lot of Pixar movies, is in some ways like a kind of a gorgeous, thrilling Western movie about, you know, dinosaurs and humans in kind of a reverse evolutionary role. But I, I think that this movie is one of the the lower lower rated Pixar movies ever for me um, and I that what what I'm wondering about is because I've been reading not I actually haven't really read reviews of it but I've there's a local group in our neighborhood of Facebook moms that have started talking about it and they've got some pretty insightful things to say I was surprised and many of them didn't like it oh yeah and it was like it was cringy even for their teenagers because I'm thinking well is this supposed to be for like 13 year olds like people that are in that sort of puberty stage that are changing but no they're 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 like embarrassed to watch it with their parents and then the little kids they like the panda they like when people turn into pandas maybe but they don't really get a lot of what's going on they don't get yeah. a lot of the more mature references yeah. so i almost wonder if there's going to be a new or there maybe should be a new category or genre of movie where pixar just goes like they have a pg13 and they say okay we get that this is a animated this is a cartoon but it's pg-13 i mean pretty much all the superhero movies now are pg-13 anyway mm-hmm. so yeah. maybe that's what they should have done is just gone for it and said look this movie is not for well, little kids because i don't this think is, it this is, is my question kids. this is this is a question i have for both of you given everything you've described is that why this movie is only streaming on Disney Plus and not being released in theaters? Oh, is it not being released in theaters? I didn't know because I know they've I don't been. Believe so. I know they've is been it? like doubling up. I, sometimes they'll be on the streaming yeah. theaters, but I didn't know. I I, I wonder if they did t- uh, test audiences. You know how they do those movie focus groups where they do test audiences, and maybe it just didn't play well, and they said we're not going to risk. We're not going to do a theatrical release. I have no idea. I'm just speculating, but maybe that's that's yeah, why. I don't. I don't know. But I, I think that is a great point of, like, who is this for? Because, like, I do think it's too mature for kids. At least I think it would be concerning for parents because, like I said, the messaging is really weird mm-hmm. where there's yeah. not – there's never a moment where May realizes, like, oh, I did something wrong. Like, she lies during the entire movie, and it's like there's no consequence for it. And so, like, that's not a great thing to yeah. teach younger kids. And then for teenagers, like, that was something, too, where it's like – I feel like all the funny jokes were in the trailer, which is why I was excited. I'm like, oh, this looks like it'll be fun and funny. And I just, I didn't find it funny. I found it really annoying with the animation, like just these big mouths in the middle of the screen. And I just, and like the pacing of it is so fast. And I'm like, I didn't grow up with TikTok. I can't handle this. (laughs) I I liked some of that. (laughs) There there was some exaggerated animation that I kind of appreciated because it was a, for example, um, when, whenever they talk about or, you know, swoon over their favorite boy band called Four Town, their <laughs> eyes will get really big, really That's big anime That's true, with eyes. the little stars in it. Yeah, with the little stars, yeah. and it's just funny. And so there's some almost like Mitchell's versus the Machine-like 
uh, just crazy, exaggerated animation moments in it mm-hmm. that sometimes you just don't see in Pixar movies. Yeah. They're a little bit more conventional. But Which I liked that some, one. I liked that Yeah, animation. some of that was funny. Yeah. Um, and there, and, but, like, you know, turning red, I, it's just... It's just so adult. I mean, it's just, it's not for little kids. No. And it, I, and you know, they have the, there's a joke when she, when she wakes up and, and I mean, it's not really a spoiler because it's kind of right at the, near the beginning and she's a panda and she's like afraid to tell her parents what's happening and she's going through this big change. <laughs> well, her mom, the tiger mom assumes that she's gotten her period. Mm-hmm. And so she like starts saying, I'm going to get you things. I'm going to get you these pads. And she starts naming things. And so I kind of thought, okay, they're doing this joke. They're going to kind of do it once. And they did it, like, many times in yeah. the movie. Like, yeah, like Up the until mom the is, mom is, figures out, like, what's Right, the mom's practically chasing her down all over town and to school, like, clutching, like, a fistful of all different types of pads. And I was like, <laughs> this is PG? This, yeah. I mean... Sorry, what I thought with that was, like, maybe it's trying to, like, prepare kids. Because you know, like, how yeah. sometimes sex ed is criticized, like, on the parents and everything. It's like you're not teaching your kids, you're you're too bashful about teaching it and but these kids need to know and so like i i could see that where it's like mm-hmm. maybe this is an opportunity to talk about it and that's why i say like i i think the intention was for this to be kind of like a metaphor for puberty but the problem that i had with yeah. that end is that like she's hiding it from her mom and it's like don't you want to teach kids like hey it's good to be open and honest with your parents like talk to an adult and so it right. like it wasn't educational i don't think Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I could see that being a good thing for kids, where it's like, hey, maybe this can start up conversations in a way that doesn't feel as uncomfortable. Like, and I, and yeah. I thought that's what it was, and I'm like, that's good. But it it doesn't ever do that. It just does it for laughs, which makes it feel very mature. So Yeah, it was that was kind of well, weird. Yeah. And the turning into red part, like, the turning into the panda part as, as a teenager, a 13-year-old, I mean, I, I kind of like the metaphor that it represents where... You, you know, suddenly your body is changing mm-hmm. and it's scary and you're hairier and you're bigger <laughs> and you're like uncomfortable and you don't know what's going on with your body. And so there was a lot of things I think were pretty appropriate and how yeah. maybe representing like in this exaggerated visual style, how it must feel for a teenager to start going through that. But then they didn't either. I think they should have kept it PG and not had some had of the more obvious the... references yeah. to, to like, menstruation or just said hey this is a pg-13 pixar movie it's the world's first you know and mm-hmm. we're going to kind of address things that are uncomfortable for kids under 13 but i that's the thing is i think it's very uncomfortable for young teenagers and i guess I'm, i mean i've never been a teenage girl so i can't really speak to how it might feel but everything from what i've read though. yeah i guess everything is everything's the worst whenever a movie tries something new and different and not and it's not a reboot or a a sequel or retread or remake or any of those things. Mm-hmm. I always kind of try to give it points for that. That that was mm-hmm. creative. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I do want to give points to a movie that I do feel was original, just not this one. Because <laughs> right after watching Turning Red, I, I was like, I'm so mad at this movie. I need to watch something else. So I just immediately went to Netflix and turned on The Atom Project. Which also mm-hmm. kind of has a lot of those coming of age kind of themes, like um, the boy in that one. I think he's twelve, right? So I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like in the same age range and everything. So, but I I I liked it significantly better than Turning Red, and I don't know if it's because it was a great movie or just because I was comparing it to this movie the entire time. But 
You saw that one, didn't you, Josh? I did. I did. I saw it. I saw that one. I did not see turning red. And so what I can say is that on its own, the Adam Project is pretty good. Okay. And maybe <laughs> in comparison to turning red, maybe it's even better. Maybe it's Citizen Kane <laughs> in comparison to turning it's red. Just, well, <laughs> I, you know, that depends on how bad turning red really yeah. is. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 in fact, I don't know, maybe to kind of jump ahead to the re- review portion, the feeling I have about Adam Project is this is a perfect flagship Netflix release because I, I enjoyed it. It has, you know, a recognizable kind of, you know, A-list Hollywood cast. Um, it's not quite good enough that I would say, oh, yeah, I'd go out of my way to spend money to see this in a theater. But I really enjoyed it as a, as a Netflix option on the platform and – yeah, and then maybe maybe compared to other coming of age type films, uh, maybe it looks that much better. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. so the plot of the Adam Project is basically that Ryan Reynolds, who we know and love from so many movies, uh, has traveled back from the year twenty fifty uh, into our present day, intending to save his wife, who has also gone back in time. They're both like in this kind of special Air Force project of the future or something, um, but he actually winds up in the wrong year and as a result he meets his younger self about age 12 uh kind of in this you know uh coming of age type of moment and so he basically has to team up with his preteen self to go on this adventure to uh reconcile with uh family matters and uh, save his wife and basically stop this dystopian future from happening because we don't see a whole lot of where Ryan Reynolds comes from. Uh, but from everything that they describe, it's basically like the nightmare 1985 with Biff in control of everything. And so they're, so they're going, so Ryan Reynolds has come back to try to, uh, you know, see if he can correct some things. And, and I guess it involves uh, 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 Zoe Saldana plays uh, his wife and, uh, yeah, so there's kind of this romantic angle. There's this coming of age angle, and there's just kind of this fun idea of you know what would it be like if you got to hang out <laughs> if you if you were 12 and got to hang out with yourself at age 40, or if you were 40 and got to go back and speak with yourself when you were 12. And that was I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. I thought yeah. it was a lot of fun. And and Danny, from what you're describing, it sounds like you kind of enjoyed that too. Oh, absolutely. Because and I think Ryan Reynolds is just kind of this perfect pick for it because. With his sense of humor, he can be so likably unlikable, which was, I think, perfect <laughs> for this movie. Because, I mean, you still love him. And, like, his kid self, like, this kid was amazing. I think he nailed it, especially the way he plays off of Ryan Reynolds. Like, they they do seem like the same person, I think, in, in a very yeah. fun way where they just, their banter was, like, everything I was living for with this movie. And um, and what I loved about that is that they're they're both, kind of they're funny they're fun but they're also unlikable at the beginning that sets up this really fun arc as like because they're butting heads they're kind of reflecting a little more on who they are and they're kind of improving themselves a little bit and it's just it's so fun to watch and the acting was probably just my favorite part of this the two of them um jennifer gardner as the mom um zoe saldana was really great like I just, I, I feel like the acting was absolutely incredible in this movie. And um, this movie made me cry three times. I like Three it, times? It hurt. It's a three-timer. A three-bagger. It's bagger. a three-timer. <laughs> and um, no, it just, 
you know, flipping between the really funny moments, but also these heartfelt moments, it just, man, I, I think they did such a great job with it. Maybe I'm just a sucker for all these, like, father-child kind of relationship sort of things, because, like, I'm noticing it's always these kind of, I don't know. We don't need to go into, like, my psyche here for this. But, like, um, what... Well, if I can, if I can make a comment on, on the father-son. <laughs> so this this made me think of something really funny that we actually just talked about in... Uh, it was either our previous episode or our previous, previous episode. Uh-huh. Um, because I, I also noticed how... Well, I, I, don't, I think anybody who watches this movie is going to notice how uh, Walker Scobell, I guess, is the name of the actor, the, mm-hmm. the kid who plays young uh, Adam, young Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the way that he imitated Ryan Reynolds' mannerisms while acting opposite Ryan Reynolds, which just, I mean, it's a, a bold thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's take, it takes guts, especially right. as a little kid, to do that. But it reminded me, so I, I went and rewatched Batman Returns after our, our Batman <laughs> discussion. <laughs> and I can't, I, oh gosh, I, I don't know if we mentioned this, but Christopher Walken plays like the, you know, the business. Well, he, he's at the risk of getting in trouble. He's kind of like this Donald Trump clone, you know, mm-hmm. like in Gotham, mm-hmm. of kind of like this big business magnate, you know. And but there's this other character who plays his son, and it's kind of like oh. this big, kind of thick knucklehead type guy, and he's basically doing a Christopher Walken impression in front of Christopher Walken, <laughs> and it's hilarious because. It's not, I mean, you wouldn't call it good acting in just on the surface, but the fact that he's, you know, that this guy is on set basically trying to do a hammy Christopher Walken impression because he's playing his son. It's hilarious. Oh, that's and, amazing. And Adam Project reminded me of that. So not to get too far off track. Oh, no, that absolutely. Was, that was kind of funny. No, and, and that's why I think like, that's probably the biggest reason to watch this movie is to see that in action. I feel like when young Adam is by himself it's almost like the writers are trying to make him sound like ryan reynolds a little too much mm-hmm. but when he's with ryan reynolds it's it's even better which is insane yeah. like it, it was just so crazy to see that um downside being i i think because more of the budget was spent on these a-list actors like the special effects weren't amazing i don't think so i think that might yeah. take away from they it. were they were serviceable yeah you yeah, know they, they, they did the job but they weren't going to really you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I wouldn't I wouldn't call them an afterthought, mm-hmm. but I thought you know these. This movie looks good enough to be, and that's kind of what I was referring to before. It's like mm-hmm. this. This definitely feels like a featured Netflix production release, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it quite. It's something about it just didn't quite feel like this is a, you know, wide theatrical quality release and maybe maybe that's maybe that's part of what that was and i think i know why too because i i realized as i was watching this it kind of had the same issue that i saw with the tomorrow war which i thought was also amazing they're both these time travel movies right and they're both sci-fi you know with these a-list actors but they went to streaming and when i'm watching them i see oh yeah the visual effects aren't as you know amazing but also Mm -hmm. um the pacing is really weird like the editing is odd where I okay. feel like if something was released in theaters, you would have all these producers being all like, you have to trim this up. You have to make it, you know, really finely tuned for an audience to see it in the movie theater, right? Okay. Whereas on streaming, they can kind of just more release it as is. And there are some moments um, in both movies where it's just like, you know, you have all this 
high action and everything, and then it just suddenly stops. In Tomorrow War, it was even worse because that movie was like twice as long as this one. And it feels like you have a full movie. And then I paused it and it's like, oh my goodness, I have an hour left. Um, it's like, mm-hmm. we already hit the climax. Like, what's going to happen? And then it's almost as if we're starting again, like exposition and rising action and then getting to the climax. And it, it's just kind of weird um, to see editing like that. But I guess with streaming services, you have a little more freedom to show everything. I, but I feel like that isn't a great thing. Like, you kind of need to be a little yeah. Well, because that's that's kind of my the question that it leads me to is that are they doing that because they feel like they have the luxury of doing so in streaming, or is it just symptomatic of not being a very good movie, oh, or just that's... not good good writing? You know, because like, because I could totally see. I mean, because we've seen lots of and you know, and this this probably is a little easier to see with like TV series like Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. You know, when when a when a show is put together for broadcast, it has to be if it's a half hour show, it's twenty two minutes. If it's a hour long show, it's gonna be like forty three because yeah. of commercials. But then the second something starts going exclusively to streaming, you know, all the Arrested Development episodes are 32 minutes or what this one's 27 or this one's 36, you know. And, and so they're consciously making use of the extra flexibility. Yeah. Um, but just like you say, Danny, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Yeah. And judging by the new Arrested Development, I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I... I guess now that we're kind of in a place where every movie that deals with time travel has to be kind of meta about it, like and always referencing other stories and movies, you know, like like with Avengers Endgame, right? And they're talking about how they're going to go back in time, but they're saying, oh, wait a minute, you mean like Back to the Future is full of crap, you know? And, and, and so it's like all of these time travel movies now have to kind of reference each other and they have to kind of explain why our version of time travel is actually the right one. (laughs) And, and I don't know, I I did feel a little bit, if not lost by the time travel in Adam project, it didn't seem as, as clear cut and easy to follow as in some other movies. And so Mm -hmm. almost for that reason alone, I didn't feel like I wanted to. Like, I'll just put it this way. I wouldn't rank it at the top of my time travel list by a long shot, but I still enjoyed it, mm-hmm. you know. This is a good movie. This is like I would say this is a solid three-star movie, right? Mm-hmm. This is not this is not don't don't go spend a lot of money to see it. If you've already got your Netflix subscription, you're good to go. Definitely, you know, take some time to see it. Um, I would pay for it. You would pay for Sorry. it? Okay. Yeah, I, I would. It was it was like a three and a half for me. I thought it was really good. Um, Three and a half? Are you crazy? No, no, no. You're going half star more? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, I'm intrigued. I haven't seen it, so I plan to see it. (laughs) Totally see it. It's it's interesting. Yeah, it sounds like it's better than turning red, and um, I like time travel movies. And you you already wasted two hours of your life on that one, (laughs) so might as well take a step up. No, this one is going to be just solid, I think. The, The one downside that I think people might have with it like based on personal preferences is that it can be kind of crude like there there's a good amount mm. of you know if you've seen a ryan reynolds movie you kind of know what to expect so just kind of yeah. keep that in mind um but yeah. this this one's up there for me and i think because i don't care as much as about the time travel aspect i i think i was wanting a movie like this anyways because i'd recently watched a movie where i thought that it was someone's future self confronting like their past self which i really liked because it's like oh look at this contrast see how much he's grown how much he's changed and 
these last couple of years, but it turns out he was cloned. And I was kind of oh, bummed no. out. So I've been I've been <laughs> wanting a movie where it's like I wanted to see that comparison really really bad. And and I think this movie totally delivered. I yeah, because I, I was here for the the characters and the emotions. And so and I, I think for me with a time travel movie, that's the important thing is like, you know, that's that's a main focus is like who are we going back in time to see? And typically it's it's family, right? And so yes. you're establishing these bonds with them. So, um, and I think it hit that really well. So for what I'm looking for in a time travel movie, I think this one stacks up pretty high. So you, you're talking about the, the themes, the characters, yeah, the kind of the emotional yeah. connection. Yeah. yeah. No, and I, I think that it did much better with that than, well, and see, I'm not even really, I mean, I don't want to sound like I disliked the movie, right? I just no. didn't like it as much. But, yeah. but I do feel like if I had to rate the, the characteristics that succeeded, I would definitely say that it succeeded more in terms of character and theme than it did in, in execution. And yeah. 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 Well, so, uh, this, this gives us a perfect opportunity to talk about time travel movies, Let's do mm-hmm. it. which one, which, uh, you guys got any favorites? I was, I was making a list cause I had a few obvious ones that, that just sprung to mind, Oh yeah. but then I got on and started looking up and there are a lot of time travel movies out there. Yeah. Or There's even have a that time element, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the question too, right? Is it, you know, what, what classifies, you know, a quote unquote time travel movie versus just one that, I mean, for, for perfect example, one of the one I, ones I thought of was uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, mm. right? Because not really a time travel movie, but there is a pretty significant use of time travel at a certain point in the movie that, you know, for the sake of anybody who hasn't watched it 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't get yelled at. I mean, and, and it's, that's true because some time travel movies, it's, it's, you're talking about decades and that's just, I don't remember how far she goes back a few hours or something. Is that yeah, when yeah. Goes it's just back? earlier in the day. Yeah, yeah. Earlier in the day. So yeah, I guess technically it's a time travel movie because she travels yeah. through a short period of time. But I, but I wouldn't think it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rate it on my all time time travel list for that reason. Right. You know, because it's just not, it's not the, the point of the movie. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's the the gimmick that helps Harry Potter save the day once again. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the one that I really like. Um, maybe you've heard of it called Back to the Future. That one's my <laughs> top one. I've been hearing stuff about that. Yeah. No. Check it out. Let's. Okay. Well, since since it's obvious, since it's clear now that we're in agreement. <laughs> Can any movie ever, can any time travel movie ever be better than Back to the Future? Maybe Absolutely that's the better not. question. Oh, no. I don't know. I, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. So. It's hard. There, it's hard to think that the, something could outdo it because it's just almost such a perfect movie. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of, you know, aside from just the clarity of the time travel concept, because, you know, at least in the first movie, it, it definitely gets a little tougher to follow later on mm-hmm. in the, the sequels. But, but that first movie, it's just, it's very straightforward, you know, and, and I don't, I don't feel like, you know, people are kind of second guessing or trying to catch up. Um, but even beyond that, like there are a lot of movies that I know I appreciate more because of my nostalgia for that time than for the movie itself. But you go back and rewatch back to the future and it's an incredible movie just flat out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the writing, how, how all the subplots and everything just tie up in that, that perfect finale mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they're juggling kind of this crazy time travel concept in the middle of it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's easily my favorite time travel movie and, and probably on my short list of favorite overall movies yeah. as well. Oh yeah. I remember one time my, 
my dad telling me that it was, I think he said it was the funniest movie he ever saw. Just, just I, I mean, and it's funny because it's not. I, you don't. I guess people don't think of comedy first when they think of Back to the Future. I mean, it's an action movie and it's fun and, you know, mm. kind of campy. But it, it actually has a lot of comedy in it. Michael oh, J. Fox hilarious. is oh, yeah. great, and it is. He had to be in that movie. I mean, they. I don't know if you know, but I think it was Anthony Michael Hall that was first. Cast oh no, in that no, it was uh, Eric Stoltz. Oh, it was Eric, it was Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. Yeah, he was in the movie. And and they shot a bunch of scenes and they just it just wasn't working and they fired him yeah and then you know, yeah so yeah, yeah. because because uh, Michael J Fox was who they originally wanted but he was he was doing family ties you know, pun pun intended he was tied up doing family ties <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah but then he became available and yeah no I because I've seen a couple of little you know documentaries about it and they talk about how yeah you know it was really awkward because they they got they had to fire you know, several weeks in and they had to, poor guy yeah I mean. There's a documentary. I think it's called Back in Time. Is that the one on Netflix? That um, I know there's one on Hulu. Is it Hulu? I, I saw one years ago, maybe six, seven, eight years ago. That I thought it was on Netflix, and it's about. Um, it even has some of the actors in it, especially some of the ones that didn't end up becoming famous, like mm. the first girl girlfriend of Michael J. Fox, oh, that's who right. wasn't in the other movies. And Jennifer 1.0. Yeah. Yes, and the guy who played the mayor. <laughs> Um, the one that said, I'm going to clean up this town. And then he becomes the mayor 30 years later. Yeah, it was, uh, anyway, it's just, there's so many great things about that movie. I, the trilogy is good too. I mean, it's, yeah. it, you know, I was a big fan. I, when I was younger, I, I remember being so fascinated with not just time travel, but with the future. Anytime there was a conception or, or a visualization of the future in anything, it always was interesting to me. And so mm-hmm. I even read the novelization of Back to the Future 2, <laughs> which you don't really learn a lot because it's just a novelization. It's a novelization, yeah, yeah. But yeah, loved them both. Oh, that's funny, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, well, so so if Back to the Future is the undisputed number one, mm-hmm. then then what are some other time travel options that are, that are worth consideration? I, I mean, I have a little oddball choice of a movie I just introduced my kids to a couple of years ago that I liked when I was little called Flight of the Navigator. Okay. Oh, that, that was wow. so fun. It's, I loved you it. I loved that one. Yeah. I, it's a movie about a kid who is, um, you know, basically he goes missing kind of for a while. He's, he's like kind of like taken up. And when he comes back, he's, um, everyone's older. He hasn't aged at all. Um, and he's gone missing. His family has thought he was dead. His younger brother is now, I don't know, 10 or 15 years older than, than he is. And, and so then the rest of the movie is how to kind of, if there's a way to correct that. Um, but I always, one thing I liked about it is he goes in this, he's, he's inside this really cool ship that, um, you know, the, the U.S. government can't even figure out how to open. And there's all these little creatures in there, little aliens that have been collected from like different planets. Um, and it, it's an adventure movie for kids. It's it's got some comedy in it, and just you know, one of those movies that when you see it as a kid, as a young boy, you just imagine like yourself in his shoes. And um, it's on, I believe it's on Disney Plus. I think that's where we watched it. I'll have to check. I I seem to remember it being a Disney movie. I can't remember mm-hmm. if I actually saw it or not. I definitely remember it coming out. I think I, I can picture the kid in my head. Yeah. He's like sitting in a big Captain Kirk chair, right? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. all lit up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I remember that. Yeah. And Danny, you've seen it too? Mm-hmm. 
I would always get this one confused with Star Kid. I don't know why, but like the idea okay. of a kid being trapped in some kind of like alien technology, like totally different movies, but for some reason in my mind, like those, I can never get the plot of this one straight because okay. like it always morphs with <laughs> that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I remember that one being really fun. So what are so? Here's a question: Do you consider Groundhog Day a time travel movie? No. Okay. No, I I wondered about that, mm-hmm. but it's it almost seems now like there are so many movies about a character who keeps looping through the same point in time in order to learn a, a valuable lesson. Well, if you if you haven't seen these, I think these are very underrated and just adorable little movies. Uh, Happy Death Day and I Happy was about Death to bring Day to up. You yes. were so fun and so good and just really kind of. You know, under the radar, didn't really make a big splash, but yeah, though that's so that's another um, one. Uh, the oh my gosh, it was just a few years ago. It was Tom Cruise and Emily, Emily Blunt. Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, Edge yes. of Tomorrow. That's yep. another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't. Know, I almost see that as kind of a separate genre where I they're not really so. traveling in time. They're just kind of skipping in a re- on a record. Yeah, yeah. they're they're, but, uh, they're or they're stuck in a recurring loop in a repeating loop until yeah, yeah. something mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. I, I've heard Palm Springs is that way. I haven't seen that, but I've heard that the, the Hulu movie Palm Springs is kind of like Groundhog okay. Day. Uh, well, all I know is that none of them are anywhere close to as good as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which, was, which was one of my, my other time travel nominees. That oh, you have just... to. You have, to. Have, have you noticed how much we end up talking about movies from the 80s and early 90s? I, yeah, it happens well, a lot. Almost every podcast it does. I've been on, and it's probably my fault. There's always at least one mention of those a are movie my like picks. That. Like I was, I was gonna go with um, Back to the Future. Like I don't know, those <laughs> yeah. are movies that I grew up with. So it's mm-hmm. just like I don't know. They're well, staples. I mean those those ones in particular, right? They 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 have become like kind of like the standard yeah. of quality. You know. Yeah. Um, now now one that I want to say came out in the two thousands. This is the one that I kind of I, I hear this one referred to as the most scientifically accurate time travel movie, which seems like kind of a dubious distinction. But uh, there's a movie from about 10, 15 years ago called Primer. Primer. Does yes. that one sound? Yeah, yeah I, so knew. Mark, I was did, thinking of that, too. Have you seen it yeah. or have you just heard of it? Because I actually I watched it once technically. I, I can say that I watched it. I cannot say that I followed or understood it. Yeah, I didn't really understand it either, um, which kind of surprised me for a small, low-budget indie movie that it could be so cerebral and kind of complicated. Yeah. Um, well, I know that, like, when you... I mean, the premise is, like, two engineers basically invite... Well, by accident, accidentally right? Accidentally invent they, a time machine. They invite a time machine. But the complexity of the plot is so you know involved that you know when i've when i've read about this movie online people will come up with like charts like where they're trying to kind of map out what's happening where and why you're seeing what and it's just so complex and so to me it strikes me as more of a novelty than Mm -hmm. so okay that it might be the most technically scientific accurate whatever you want to say but it's not like a rewatch it, you know, yeah. every month, no, that makes you sense. know, when you're bored type of like, it's, I, I it kind of reminds me what you were saying about Tenet, you know, mm-hmm. the other, 
the other episode where, you know, you want to be challenged, but you don't want to be miserable. Yeah, and, <laughs> you don't want to be and, baffled. And, and yeah, some people and, do. Some people torture themselves and they watch something over and over in order to try to understand it. Yeah. So maybe with Primer yeah. or Tenet, people have done that. No, and that's, you know, I to each his own, I guess. It's, uh, like I said, it was it was worth watching once just so that I could kind of, you know, bring it up in a conversation like this. But, whew, that one was that was a doozy. Can I can I throw now, a few uh, more names at you? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Let's hear. Okay, um, Austin Powers, International Man of oh, Mystery. That's, well, now, okay. How would we? <laughs> well, because I mean, it's kind of different, right? Because it's just cryogenically frozen. Well, but the character, the character, do we spend any time in the 60s or is it just exclusively him being brought here? No, I think we do a few minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, just like the opening musical number? Yeah, probably. <laughs> they kind of do that in every every one of those movies. Right, right. Yeah, one of them, it's like Umbrellas of Sherberg style. I think it might be the third one. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, okay. Something right. I was awesome thinking powers. of with that, because um, my sort of backup, and, and something I was thinking about with the time travel thing is just like being misplaced in time almost. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, like I said, with Adam project, like I care about the characters and, and the acting and stuff. And I just, I love it when there are people who belong in a time and there are people who do not belong in the time. Like that's, that's an element yeah. I just love. Right. And um, this is more of a fantasy than a sci-fi, but I was thinking, especially watching Adam project of a uh, 13 going on 30 Okay. Where she's, you know, it's not like a science story. It's like, you know, magic pixie dust that magically transports her to her 30s. But um, I I just, I find it really fun where, you know, she's in this 30-year-old body, but she's just like super sweet and cute and fun. And kind of like big. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, how about uh, about frequency? Have you guys seen frequency? Yes. I I was thinking about that one too. Danny, if you have not seen Frequency, I would really love to know what you think of Frequency because I suspect that you will like Frequency. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a really sweet movie. It's about. Um, it's a father and son kind of movie. Yeah, oh it's a yeah, no, I, I saw the father and son in the description. I'm like, ah, oh, you got me hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. No, okay. It, uh, Jim uh, Caviezel. Yeah, is that Jim Caviezel and Quaid. And Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, and Dennis Quaid is the father playing the father in the late 1960s. And Jim Caviezel is in the late 1990s, which was when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And and they are connected through this mysterious uh, radio wave phenomenon. I think that's I think it has to do with like the Northern Lights or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and so they wind up solving a murder mystery together, but then like influencing past you know, and their worlds events. back and forth. Yeah, and right, preventing right. tragedies that would have occurred by the 90s that were going to happen after the 60s. I think yeah. there was even a no, it's a, So basically killer. everything in yeah. the 60s? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it's cool. That was that was a fun one. I remember I remember that That's one. That's interesting. That was that was a good one. That yeah. was a good one. Yeah. Um Midnight in Paris was another one I had on my list. Yeah, me um, too. That's kind of a you know, what probably one of the best Woody Allen movies I've seen in in you know, kind of his 21st century uh selections. Same with when uh yep. Owen, Owen Wilson basically gets transported back to the, was it the 1920s was kind of the That was Fitzgerald the first era. one, yeah. It was the era Oh, okay, that's right, because like, he goes to a few different eras. Yeah. Right, because one of, the, one of the funny kind of repeating bits in the movie is that people are always pining for the past. You know, like yeah. nostalgia, kind of reminds me of the Stephen Wright joke, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. 
And, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that because he goes to the 1920s and he sees people like uh, uh, Gertrude Stein and F. Scott Fitzgerald yeah. and Zelda. Yeah, Zelda and all these yeah. famous people. And he's just so amazed to see them. And then a couple of them are complaining about not living like what was it like in the 1890s? Like the right. true golden age or whatever, and yeah, it's it's funny. Um, the grass, the grass is always the grass greener. is always greener back then. But back I actually had time. a conversation like that with my husband just last night, actually, because <laughs> we were just like talking about eight, um, writers in the 1800s, and he loves writing. I'm like, man, you were just born in the wrong uh, century there. And yeah. he's like, well, you know, they're probably reminiscing on you know previous generations being better right. and then it's like you know when you finally hit the caveman they're like man i'm awesome I've everything. <laughs> we, we peaked too early and it's been downhill ever since da danny have you seen midnight in paris no oh no, that's another not. one i, I think yeah, you love that's a good one. i mean it, that's a good one it's also for people who are kind of like artists at heart i think because all this movie is about oh, yes, this guy who's a writer yes you're an artist <laughs> and that's who he's interested in. It's not he's not going back to see engineers or politicians or whatever. It's basically all the great artists of of the early 1900s and late 1800s and of course Woody That's Allen is, is a fan of that. And um it's just fun. Ooh. It's a sweet kind of charming funny movie. Um it, it and I'm seeing Rachel McAdams is in this and yeah. I feel like yeah. and I feel lead. like you have to have Rachel McAdams in a time travel movie. Oh, time like traveler's wife. Yes. Yeah. Well, and now because um, I was time. I also about yeah. time, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, now here's here's a here's a curveball. Did any of you guys think of Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home? I think I would have had to see it to think of it. Um, and you haven't? I don't think I, I remember no. it well enough. I wasn't oh, allowed man. to watch Star Trek. The the skimpy well, tight outfits oh. not allowed in in my house. Oh, wow. there aren't any skimpy out. tight outfits in the <laughs> 1980s Star Trek movies. Is this the one with the whales? <laughs> Is this the yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so granted, I think you have to be a bit of a Star Trek fan to enjoy this one because it, it's, Fair. you know, it's kind of within that, that genre or that, uh, that universe. But, uh, the premise of this one is that, um, this, this mysterious probe comes and is threatening to destroy the earth. And so Captain Kirk and company, uh, well, without, taking too much time to connect all the dots. Basically they have to go back in time and find humpback whales in order to save the future. And it, it cause it's kind of this ecological message, like, oh, cause you know, it, it, it's kind of the mid, mid 1980s and yeah, oh, yeah. we're destroying the planet. We need to save the whales and all this. And so this is like this, this two hour sci-fi lecture about, about why, why we shouldn't be <laughs> hunting whales on the open seas, but oh no, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a that lot of, it's, fun. if you, especially if you like, you know, kind of, especially the Star Trek uh, original cast and stuff. This is uh, definitely one of the better, one of the better movies. But uh, now, how about uh, how about Terminator series? What do you guys think of Terminator? Those are great ones. That's, uh, Those are more of the dystopian, dark side of of time travel. I mean, it's I guess necessary to yeah. save the world, but it's like yeah, the future has gone to or is going to go to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> you need the Terminator to. <laughs> I think Terminator 2 was great. I, I mean, it's it's yeah. superior to the first one, you know, and had a much bigger budget. And that was kind of the yeah. hit of 92. I mean, that was like, oh, that was yeah. a huge movie. Right, um, right. Schwarzenegger at the top of his game. Mm -hmm. Guns N' Roses music and a lot of cool effects. The T-1000 <laughs> special effects. I'll always remember seeing that for the first oh, yeah. time. No, that was, that was a big deal. I remember that very, very... Uh, 
clearly. Now, diminishing returns since then. I've I've enjoyed a few of the movies since then, but I definitely think that the peak yeah. was Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's kind of hard to... I mean, in terms of a franchise that's based around the concept of time travel, I think Terminator's on that short list. Well, and uh, I think that's an interesting thing, too, because every time you revisit it, you're kind of ruining the previously established, like, time travelness going on, right? Like, you're kind that's of That's the risk, that. right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's something you have to be careful about when you're doing time traveling series, which I think is why most of the time it's kind of a one shot, except for <laughs> Back to the Future, where it does tie so well together. But yeah. it's yeah. just, you don't want to mess thing, up what you had. The only mm-hmm. thing I wonder about is, I mean, uh, we can do spoilers, right? I mean, Back to the Future is like 30, 40 years old. Um, yeah, if our if our audience hasn't watched the three Back to the Future movies right. by this point. And I'm only going to spoil the first they, one. You know what? They can put us on pause <laughs> right. and come back later. So, so, so Michael J. Fox, uh, so Marty, he goes back in time. I remember reading an Entertainment Weekly review of this 20-something years ago, and they called it a freaky Oedipal trip. Um, so it kind of is. It's a freaky Oedipal <laughs> trip, Oedipus you know, complex. And so he goes back yeah, in time, yeah. and he saves his family and kind of, you know, saves his future by, by doing so. And he, he, he has face-to-face contact with his mom and his dad in 1955, a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of becomes friends, influences their lives. His mom has a crush on him. Um, so I guess it's sort of the opposite of an Oedipal complex. But anyway, so he in the, he goes back to the future at the end of the movie, and he's he's like you know he's grown up, and you kind of wonder like did they not recognize their son as the kid who saved their you know who started them on the their romantic path to getting together and starting a family like. You wonder. I mean, it was a long time ago, but was there ever a I, yeah, moment? Yeah, I've heard that. Was there a moment where they're like, "Wait a minute"? Well, if it's like Look. pre-Facebook, you know, do you really remember people that you knew for like a week? I don't think he was there for very long. He was there for like a week. Yeah, it wasn't very long. And it was like twenty. No, years and that's ago. was there ever a right? Picture, that's though? that's the argument I've Did heard. Somebody take that's, a that's... picture, you know, and they look at it and they say, yeah. "Oh my gosh, that looks just like Marty Calvin or whatever his name was." Calvin looks like Marty. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're just trying to undermine Back to the Future, and you can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I don't mean it's to. Perfect. I, I still imperfect. think it's a perfect movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> with with just a great car, even I mean, and I think I think that's one of the things that actually I think that even when we were kids at the time, but then audiences now as well kind of missed the joke on was that. Because we kind of look at it as, oh, the DeLorean, it's so cool looking because it's this sports car and they made it into a time machine. But it was actually, as I understand joke, it, yeah. it was, well, because the joke was that, De- that the DeLorean was not a good car. Yeah. Like, it's like you it made had a time machine no power. out of a DeLorean? No, exactly. Like, that's the like, line. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. we we kind of we kind of read that now as, wow, you, you made a time machine out of this crazy sports car? But it's like, no, no you made a time machine car. out of this piece of junk. Yeah. That's That was like the joke. And, you know, it's just... But it looks so good. That's funny, too. It's so sick. That's funny, because you think about the gullwing doors are really cool looking. Like, I remember seeing that thing. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. But it's also impractical, you know, in so many ways. I mean, even the Tesla doors, like, nowadays, they open up straight up and then go up. They don't don't swing wide and hit anything next to them. 
you know. Uh -huh. And so yeah, it's it's funny to see that DeLorean because it is a cool looking car, and uh, but yeah, they, I don't they didn't make it for very long. Well, you know what time machine vehicle works in any situation? Toll booth. Uh, it's oh a phone, phone booth. I mean. <laughs> a phone booth. Oh yeah, the police box. I think there's a joke yeah. on the Lego movie about that where they show four or five different famous movie time machines. Yeah, well, yeah, yep. because so so Bill and Ted yeah. and Doctor Who. Yep. And who else? They have the DeLorean. Well, the DeLorean. They have Oh well, okay. I thought I thought you meant that there were lots of phone booths. No, I, I think no. it's because were the, were those the only Did two? Did they show the phone booth? I can't remember. I don't maybe they didn't. Um you know, Keanu yeah, Reeves is He's real because he's in a phone booth. I mean, that plays a key role in the Matrix in how you get out that's of the world. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Interesting. That's right. He's, um, yeah. And Superman uses phone booths too. Wow. But you know, they're not around anymore, are they? They're not. So, kind of the weirdest experience to watch movies from like twenty years ago plus that are built around plot points that don't even matter right like, yeah it's it's like a, it's a movie where if somebody just had a smartphone they could have made a call at the beginning of the movie and story's over mm -hmm. yeah. like just you know just because of the entire plot hinged on some kind of technology or some something that technology has now addressed and taken care of and danny do you have any any final time travel recommendations no i think i i hit all of mine you've kind of been cool touching on yeah but i have a lot more on my watch list now i feel like yes. that's that's a nice thing coming here you guys have seen so many things <laughs> our, our it's nice that you guys it. have filtered through we've done the work yeah yeah exactly i just get to reap the benefits yeah i've heard <laughs> one of my movie fr friends friends on facebook is his one of his favorite movies is about time and i've never seen that oh, so i i so, that's on my list so good. I've I've seen it once, and I I would like to go see it again. Yeah. So I think that one's uh, I well, cause cause Bill Nye is in, isn't yep. he the dad? Yeah, he's the dad. Anything with that guy is, he's Bill Nye the science guy. Oh no. My gosh. How do you pronounce? It? Is it Nye? Oh, is it N I D H Y? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's I know. yeah. Yeah. He's in uh, he is. Love Actually, and uh, yeah, he's in Shaun of the Dead, Shaun and he was he, I was. And he was in another Harry Potter movie I was just watching tonight. He played the, he briefly played the Minister of Magic who, uh, at the beginning of Death in Hallows Part oh, One. I swear seven. everyone's been in Harry Potter. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's like a, it's like a who's a great who cast of, of British theater and, and oh, movies. Yeah. True. No, yeah. it is. It truly is. Which is discussion for another time. Yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's we, wrap we things up. We can do up. a whole Harry Potter episode one day. Oh, there we totally go. Good. There we go. After we do our soundtrack episode, and after we do our <laughs> uh, our uh, Coen Brothers episode, and, oh, and we'll just we'll just keep them coming. We, but in the meantime, be sure to check out uh, Utah.film for our uh, new articles and uh, new announcements about film festivals and other upcoming events. And uh, leave us some comments and give us some thoughts. And thanks for spending time with us, and we'll catch you next time.